Welcome to episode 45 of the series about security podcast for June 24, 2013. Brought to you by the Center for Education and Research and Information Assurance and Security, or Sirius at Purdue University. I'm Press Wiley, and I'm joined by Mike Hill, and Keith is back this week. Um, yeah. And uh, so, and Keith has the honor to have the first article. Well, thank you very much. So, uh, on Friday last week, on June 21st, uh, Facebook posted uh, a little notice about uh, a security breach that they had, and they posted this information to their Facebook uh, security page and in a security or a, a note that they post. And basically, they described uh, the issue that occurred when you want to upload a list of contacts to see who else might be on Facebook and might help you create new friends with, from your contacts list. The system that uses that um, had a little issue in that if you uploaded that information and then if you created, uh, anyways, the way they associated the information had a little issue that if you went back and you tried to download your information, which is a tool that they provide to get a copy of all the data that Facebook has about you, you would find that a lot of contact information from users on Facebook that were in your address book, but for which you didn't have complete information on, would suddenly show up in that list. The problem is that if you went in and created a contact um, for a particular person that you wanted to get information from, and put it into your address list, uploaded it to Facebook, Facebook's bug would basically allow you to capture contact information for that particular person, and that would show up in your, uh, your data dump that you get from the download your information tool. Uh, the issue here is, you know, it's probably a programming error, and uh, this would be an interesting way if you wanted to find out, uh, and the example I saw in the Ars Technical article, which we linked to, said if you wanted to find Mark, Zuck Mark Zuckerberg's cell phone or home phone information, you would add him to your contacts with uh, uh, his email address, which is pretty public and then upload that to Facebook and then download using the download your information tool and suddenly you would have his contact information for his phone and you know stuff that is not public and stuff that you wouldn't normally see and that's the issue. So once this was reported to them through the White Hat security report system they uh, took the, the DYI which is the download your information tool offline corrected it and then brought it back up and then made the announcement here on Friday. So they believe that this may have affected approximately 6 million Facebook users that had their email addresses or phone numbers shared inadvertently and they're going to attempt to contact uh, those particular people. Now 6 million users out of however many billion users they have now doesn't seem like a lot but uh, it's a certainly sizable number but small percentage of their actual number of Facebook users. But anyways, thought we'd talk about that today and get your guys' thoughts. Well, I guess that the main, I was saying this before, but I think that probably the main users affected are the more active users with more information stored on Facebook, because if you don't put any information in Facebook, then there's no information to get. That's so, true. That is true. 
Yeah, if you're uploading a ton of stuff, and even if you're marking it as private, even stuff that you wouldn't share with your friends, for example, it's still on Facebook, as you say, and, and it's still part of this association process, so they can find you when another user uploads your contact, or uploads their contact information trying to find their other friends already. So like Mark Zuckerberg, it said, had dozens of emails and phone numbers. So more you have, I guess you have more that's available to get. Yes, so even if they're marked private, and the assumption is if I mark it private, it's not going to be shared with anybody, and this uh, error that they had in their code was bypass that check, basically, I think. But hopefully it's corrected now. Otherwise, I don't think they'd be talking about it. <laughs> well, they, they seem to um, address it pretty quickly. I mean, it is nice that they were forthcoming. In you know, not trying to kind of cover this up, that they basically came out and said, "This is what happened. We we took away this service while we fixed the bugs." So I'm pretty sure there was a program error, as you said, and then they brought it back online like a day later. Um, so um, at least they provided at least what seems to be full disclosure in this, and they are contacting users through email addresses. Uh, what I'm curious about is uh, if you are a high-profile user like a, a Mark Zuckerberg. Um, what do you do if you're getting contacted? You're saying, oh, well, your information's been shared. It's, you know, um, do you have a lot of concern if, if your cell phone number and email address has popped up on this? Or, you know, would you recommend to people that, I mean, it's very difficult to change a cell phone number. There's a lot of reasons why you don't want to uh, nowadays. You know, people drop their landlines, it's their primary phone number. So if, you, if our Facebook users get an email like this, um, should they be concerned? Is there anything? They should, uh, you know, is there any mitigation they can take at this point? It's already been. Not, not really. Sadly, you know, the only thing is, is even though the six million users may have had their, their contact information inadvertently shared, it's probably maybe less likely that somebody's actually probing through that, that download your information tool to actually find personal private contact information for, you know, the average user. Now, if you're looking for a celebrity, maybe that might be useful information that you'd want to find. Um, <clears throat> if you're a celebrity, though, I think you may be changing phone numbers fairly regularly, so this might just be another reason to update that again. But you know, I don't actually know. I mean, part of the problem is you already uploaded it. You assumed it was private. Well, it's not, unfortunately. Now it's it's public information. You may start getting contacted by people you didn't expect to. Um, so you may have to go back and change numbers or email addresses, and that's a real hassle. I know. Uh, but you know, it's once the once the uh, cat is out of the bag, there's not much to <laughs> not much to do to recover from that, unfortunately. Well, in general, we we've said this before. You should assume everything on Facebook is public. Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, this is. An example of that, I suppose. Yes, and I'm more than willing to tell my friends what high school I graduated from, but I'm not willing necessarily to tell Facebook that, even though I still find friends from high school all the time. So, um, yeah, and there's stuff like hometown, and you know, putting your 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 uh, phone number up there for getting text messaging and that sort of thing. You can assume that's all up there. Your it's birthday, you know, so your friends can say happy birthday. Exactly, and that's <laughs> mine is up there. It's not right, so you send me happy birthday notices on days that are not my birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So. It's an issue, uh, certainly. I think they 
they were certainly forthcoming about it. Part of it is because they have to go and report this to various regulators around the world, um, the more stickler of those being in Europe, I think. And so part of that is they're, they're, they've got to make this disclosure, and then they've got to go report that to the authorities in various countries. Well, this is an interesting uh, statement at the bottom of one of the articles, is that somebody mentioned that they got an email from Facebook saying they inadvertently shared their work address, but they had never put that address in their profile. And another friend of theirs had associated it with them. Mm -hmm. So you can apparently share information about yourself even if you never included it as part of you. Well, yes, yeah, somebody, somebody else. else yeah, exactly. They upload your address, and their address. And you, it can be shared. Oh, you, well. you can be, you can so. be sure that Facebook's <laughs> collecting everything that you upload to your address. But that's another thing. That I personally don't do is anytime a system such as LinkedIn, that's a, that's one that does it. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, even you know they want they want you to go in and oh add your email address or uh, what's your your you know connect to your Gmail account or your Yahoo account. We'll check your address book. I'm like ah, no no thanks. I don't really want to do that. Well, that means if some one of my friends put my address in or my phone exactly. number or anything like that, then I could. I think it could, could be could be I could be affected. They don't have my phone number, even if I didn't even include it in my my profile. Somebody else included it in theirs. Yeah, and I think that's the embarrassing thing. Uh, Facebook mentioned that this is an uh, embarrassing mistake to happen, and I think that's the embarrassing thing is that someone who is security conscious and is not sharing much information could still be affected by uh, some of their Facebook friends who aren't as security conscious and upload that information for them. Right. And it could have been revealed as a part of this bug. Uh, but it sounds like the bug didn't persist for too long. And if it was only 6 million, that is a really small percentage of the overall users. But uh, you might want to check in your email to see if, uh, well, if you're on the list. Absolutely. And, and this kind of brings up another point, which is kind of good, in that the, the download your information tool exists at all. Um, because it, it's a way for you to go and see what exactly Facebook knows about you, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's a similar sort of tool for Google to download your information from their service. I don't think there's anything from LinkedIn. I don't know for sure right offhand. But the fact that these companies are taking somewhat of a transparency role to say, yeah, we have information about you, and here is what we have. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Because there's there's some services where we don't know what they have. I mean, we can talk about any number of federal government agencies, hello NSA here, <laughs> about what they have and how you get that information from them. You don't basically. And these guys at least are are giving us an option to do that. Again, we are the products of these companies, um, but it is good that we are seeing our own information. Of course, the irony of that is it was because of us being able to get our information to this button we existed in the first place. Yeah, I'll give Mike a good transition um, in that uh, the the way the bug was uh, was discovered was via the bug bounty program that uh, Facebook has, where they pay up to five hundred dollars uh, per bug that's yeah. privately given to them. Yeah, and I think because they have a bug bounty program. Um, and you know, um, ethical security researchers looking at it, it was reported to Facebook instead of, you know, posted on underground on the criminal network where it could have been exploited and been much, much worse. 
the fact that Facebook has a bounty program in place, I think, helped them in this case. Uh, which leads me into my article, uh, and that is Microsoft uh, announced last week that they are uh, initiating their own bug bounty program. Some of the comments I have seen is, you know, it's about time Microsoft does this. Um, that Microsoft's been benefiting from others, such as Google, that have had these in place. Um, but Microsoft did put it in place, and what they are willing to do is offer up to a $100,000 payout uh, um, per um, mitigation vulnerability discovered. So that, that's, a, that's a good chunk of change. And in addition, uh, if you know how to plug the hole, and you know, uh, you can basically write the defense for it and produce it in a white paper. They're willing to offer up to an additional fifty thousand. So, if you discover a really uh, bad vulnerability or, or good in this case, uh, one that they'd be very interested in, and you can describe it and show how it's exploited, but you can also show how to patch it, you could be looking at a hundred and fifty thousand dollar payday, which is. Um, I think it's huge. I think you know that is going to bring those people that are kind of on the fence of, oh, should I release this over here and try to make money underground versus, well, I could just public, you know, I could disclose this to Microsoft in a responsible manner, and I could be looking at a nice payday. Um, there is a third part to the program, though, and this is the part I thought was really interesting for us to discuss, is that they're also offering um, payouts for the new IE11, which is under uh, preview right now. So I don't know if that's quite a, I don't know if you call that a beta release or not. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But they are, uh, between June 26th and July 26th, for that month, um, if you're able to exploit it and, and show that improved vulnerabilities exist within it, I think you can get 11,000 for each occurrence. So um, I think that's the right amount. I'm just trying to double check the amount. I believe it was 11,000. Yeah, so 11,000, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and, and, and forward thinking. So I'm not aware of any others yet that have done that that have said, well, we haven't released this yet, but here, you know, go after it. If you can break it, you can prove you can break it, you can describe how you broke it, uh, we'll give you money and, and we'll patch it before we release it. So I think that's a, a good step forward and it might put pressure on other major vendors now to kind of do the same. Well, Microsoft has said that, in, in some cases, researchers hold on to their bound, their their uh, vulnerabilities uh, that they find in beta stuff until the software gets released, so that they can collect collect on yeah. the, on these. And it seems to me like Microsoft is maybe even giving more money if you find it during the preview phase than they may give you when it actually gets released. So it's actually beneficial to not hold on. Yeah, and I think there's a, a comment in there as well that. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a, a shot at Google, you know, pony him saying, we don't want to wait a year for contests to, to pay out and to, to, to know about these vulnerabilities. We want to know about them as soon as possible so we can patch them and make the system more secure. So um, I'm not sure. They kind of did a, a, an about face on this. I think they used to have a stance that they didn't really want to pay for these kinds of things. They wanted to spend the money more just on defense. Um, but within the last year, I think they kind of spun around and said, well, uh, I don't know if it, they were getting pressure, it doesn't really say, but I have a feeling they might be getting pressure from others to address this more seriously. I, I think this this helps them from the stance of they're going to be seen as being very proactive about security, uh, at least now, now that they're offering this. Right, it could be a variety of things, whether it was is they had a team of people handling, you know, 
similar sorts of let's find bugs in our, our own software approach in-house and maybe that team suffers from Microsoft thing, right? Everybody yeah. thinks like Microsoft does and they're not thinking outside the box. That's not a bad thing, um, just that organizations, uh, organizations tend to have groupthink which might prevent or limit them in the creativity required to find some bugs. And so this might be a way to bring in more people to look at this because in the past, since they didn't pay out, there's been less interest in reporting these things to Microsoft. Not less interest in finding them, certainly, but less interest in, in reporting them to Microsoft, and this might be more incentive to do that. Another comment is that, and I think we've talked about it in the past, where we have a lot of third parties that are not associated with the operating system vendors at all that are collecting very serious and very critical bugs not reporting them to Microsoft or any other vendor, but reporting them to or selling them to governments or other institutions that we'd rather not have them. And this is another way to kind of divert that stream of vulnerabilities back towards the people who can actually fix them versus those who just want to collect them and possibly use them in the future. We don't really think that's the right way to do that. And um, hopefully this will also help Microsoft to direct some of that information back to them so they can actually fix real problems that affect a lot of people. Yeah, I, I mean, I see this as really driving up the interest, you know, for the security researchers because, you know, up to now, there's not been, I guess, as much of a, I mean, as much of a payday incentive. Now they know they uncover something significant that they can report to Microsoft and they're going to be rewarded for that. So I think it gives them, um, more incentive to look at it, you know, I think beforehand it was more just the bad guys who had the incentive to look at it. So now some of the good guys have incentive. I mean, well, money makes the world kind of go around. Yeah, I don't know whether they're good or bad, depending on yeah. terminology. But I think <laughs> the fact that they're Why looking at them <laughs> and then reporting them in the right place, yeah. I think the right place is to take it back to the original vendor. That's yeah. a good thing, whether you're good or bad, I'm not sure that makes a difference, but I think as long as you're taking that information, you're giving it to the people who can actually make corrections. Well, I, I guess I distinguish that as if you're, look, if you're looking to find vulnerabilities with the intent of exploiting them out in the wild for profit, illegal okay. profit, well, that's, that's not a, categorizing. you know, that's not, um, Microsoft doesn't want that. <laughs> they want people to be looking at it and reporting it to them, you know, sure, sure. And, and allowing them the opportunity to Corrected and yep. secure it before Absolutely. it's released in the wild and known to to others. Yep. Right, and this is guaranteed money, even if you're a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, but what we don't know is how much is guaranteed. We know the upper limits of what they'll pay. Yeah, so putting it out, you know, for the for the pay for yeah. the bad sites and hoping Microsoft doesn't patch it for a few months so that it can be exploited or whatever. And I think Microsoft is becoming maybe a little better doing things quicker and at least for issuing workarounds or hot fixes yeah. that can mitigate things. So the time to, to a zero day to it actually being patched is is getting less and less and so there's right. less money for the for the bad guys. So yeah. Uh, another thing of note is if you look at the wired article which we'll link to, there's the uh, discussion about how much the Mozilla Foundation has paid out, which is about $750,000 since they started their program. And Google has paid out more than $1.7 million. 
And I believe they're also paying for bugs that are not even in their own products in some cases. I believe there's been a few instances where uh, things in Microsoft uh, operating systems have been reported to Google, and Google's paid money for it. So I don't really know the purpose of that one, but I know there's other programs such as HP's Tipping Point, um, where that's an intrusion prevention product. They actually want to catch uh, those bugs so they can add it into their signature system to detect when those are attempted to be exploited. So there are some vendors that you wouldn't think of collecting on 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 these vulnerabilities for interesting reasons, and mostly it's for their own internal use. Um, what I don't know in the case of the HP tipping point is, do they then funnel those back to the original vendor or not? I assume they do, but it's not not clear. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. You, you have to wonder if Google is paying for Microsoft exploits, how much they were sharing. I, I have to imagine they probably were helping them out. I know one of the comments, I think it was also in the Wired article, was that um, you know, um, they did not want Microsoft to continue to kind of freeload off of these bugs that they were right. reporting. Yeah. So I heard the freeloading. Uh, yeah, so I think, they, I, I think they were under some pressure to, to do this. The, the uh, security researcher who works for Twitter kind of launched a No More Free Bugs campaign. So I think that was a while ago. Yeah, that. Uh, 2009. So I think you know this has probably been building for for a little while, right? You know, um, so I, but it, I think it's a good move. I mean, especially in the case of Internet Explorer 11, I think you know there's a there's a window of opportunity come up there in a couple of days for like a whole month for people to kind of go after it. And I think, I mean, I, I can't see how there's no how nothing but good will come out of that. When they release IE 11, I'm sure they're going to have some things that are reported and they won't patch it before it's ever released. So, uh, not to say there won't be other things that need to be patched. We all know how software works and that patches are sort of a constant state of life now, but at least those uh, issues will have been resolved before it ever got off the game. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, 15 years ago, the idea of paying for bugs was, was unheard of. Yeah. And now we have a whole economy here. <laughs> so. I'm sure Apple doesn't have one, do they? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not sure it one. So their reputation is still pretty. Well, I don't know if that's a reputation issue or. Well, or their reputation as far as security patching, timeliness. Well, that's that's a. Waste ten mistakes. They're involved in all that. Yeah, they do. Sort of their reputation is they don't really disclose a whole lot. I think their mindset is. You know, the more they say, the more they might be attacked, I guess. You know, if they know something out there. I mean, well, I, I think that, that, and this is not really part of our discussion, I think <laughs> Apple really has a cultural difference between a lot of organizations, such as Google, where they want to internally share a lot of information with each other, figure out what each company is, or what each part of the company is doing. I don't think at Apple that happens at all. I think the, the day that the engineer who wrote some software for the next product actually sees that product is on the day it launches. So yeah. I don't uh, I believe they're pretty tight lipped even yeah even so, internals, yeah. So that's that's not that's a cultural thing. But, but this is like the closed source versus open source argument as well. You know, what what's more secure? I mean there's a lot of battles like that where people have different opinions on what's more secure. And I think this is one of those things, you know, you know, the more you talk about you know your vulnerabilities, you know some people feel like that's the more it can be exploited, where others feel like 
that's you know the more opportunity to address it and fix it. So it's hard to tell who's winning out. You know, Apple does seem to have a reputation, at least from previous years, of being a secure architecture. So maybe they're afraid of changing that stance because they're afraid it would imply that well, they're like any other operating system. We can dive into that for days of our Yeah. Who will spare our Yeah, we won't go there. All right. Anything else to add? Congratulations, Mario Marathon. Oh, yeah. Mario Marathon 6 just finished up this morning, right? Congratulations on that. $66,000. Congratulations. What? Three, four days? Yeah, I don't know the official timeline. It started, what, Friday? Right. Yeah. Finished about today, yeah. about that time. So. Yeah. Shortened, but they still did pretty good. They did good. Anyway, yeah. Thanks to Mike and Keith. I'm Preston Wiley. Have a safe and secure day.